please open now to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. We are looking at one verse today. We're looking at verse 29. If you're new to Manoa Community Church, we have been going verse by verse through the book of Hebrews in a preaching series called Faith. And chapter 11 of Hebrews is a section called the Hall of Faith because we have all of these characters from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, um, who exercise great faith and are commended to us for their faith so that we could grow in our own faith and emulate their faith. So this is today part four of a four-part mini-series on the life of Moses. Moses and Abraham get more time in the hall of faith than any other characters. And it makes sense because Abraham is the father of the faith, and Moses is the one, the first five books of your Bible are called the books of Moses, right? It shows how the people of God came from a, a family into a great nation, and Moses is the one that led them out of Egypt. Well, today we're looking at the final Uh, verse 29 in here where Moses has now not only left Egypt with the people of God after the Passover, but Pharaoh has a change of heart. Yep, his heart is hard again, right? He he changes his mind and says, wait a second, I let all these slaves go, I gotta go get them. And so he chases after them and they are trapped against the edge of the Red Sea. Would you know that God is the one who led them there? We're told through a pillar of fire and cloud, there was a, another way they could have gone, but God directly put them into this wall, if you will, so that the army and the chariots, 600 chariots, thousands of men are coming after them, and they are backed up against a wall by God's own doing. God has brought them there to this wall. So I've called today's sermon, this final sermon in the Moses series, Faith in Deep Water. Because we're going to see them, as we just saw in our public reading of Scripture, travel through this amazing parting of the Red Sea, but they don't know that's going to happen. Again, place yourself in their shoes. All they see is a big army, fully armed, and they are backed up against a wall in deep water, so to speak. So faith in deep water, we're going to learn from our own lives how we might exercise faith when we find ourselves backed up against walls and in deep water as well. So I'm gonna read verses one and two to set up the context as I always do. Read verse 29, which is our key text from Hebrews 11, and then pray for us. Follow along beginning in verse one. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. Verse 29, By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Faith in deep water. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you for your perfect word. And Jesus, you have told us that it's possible to hear and not to receive, that he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying, and that Even now there's a spiritual battle because as the word of God, the seed of God is cast onto the soil of our hearts, the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, and even the devil himself would seek to snatch this up right now. But the seed that goes down and bears great fruit in our lives is the one that we hear and joyfully obey. And so God, I pray that as this word is preached, Lord, that you would give us a moment to hear to hear and to understand, to see and to perceive, and to believe what you want us to believe, that our faith might be grown and strengthened and stretched, Lord, that we would know how to operate in faith, not only in good times, but when we're in deep water. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, if English is not your first language, like all languages, there's certain idioms, right? And so we talk about having your back up against the wall or being in deep water. And in context, it makes sense what we're talking about. Like when you're in deep water, that means that you're in a precarious situation, all right? Let's just put it that way. And sometimes we're in deep water or our back up against the wall out of the uh, fire into the frying pan or one of the other ways. I forget how to do that one. But we're in these circumstances because of our own fault. And sometimes they're superficial, like we forgot our wife's birthday, like we're in deep water, right? You know, or our anniversary. Sometimes we're in deep water and it's really scary, like we've lost our job and we don't have a good reference on the way out the door. We're in deep water. Sometimes it's because of forgetfulness. Sometimes it's because of sinfulness, where we've made foolish mistakes. Well, today we find both Moses and the people of Israel in deep water with their back up against the wall. But as I already alluded to earlier, this was not because of their folly. This was not because of their sinfulness. God literally led them out by a pillar of fire and a cloud. And the Bible says explicitly there was another easier way to go, but God instead directed them to and through the wilderness instead and directed them right up their whole camp of 200, excuse me, about 2 million of them right up against the Red Sea. While that is happening, providentially, Pharaoh hardens his heart. In fact, God later says that he hardens Pharaoh's heart because there's kind of this divine interplay where he hardens his heart and then so God gives him what he wants, so to speak. And so Pharaoh has another change of heart. He says, I'm gonna go get them. They're out in the wilderness wandering around. So he queues up 600 chariots, his best soldiers, and they go gallivanting after them saying, these guys are dead meat and we're gonna drag them back in chains back into Egypt. And so this is the context that Hebrews chapter 11 is picking up, but also in Exodus where we find the Israelites where they are trapped. Where they are trapped, where they are afraid, where they're not certain what's going to happen. Again, we know the end from the beginning, so we get to see Moses lift his hands, the water part. They didn't know that was going to happen. Moses didn't know that was going to happen. And so what do you do? What do you do when you're back against a wall? What do you do when you are in deep water, either through your own choices or the providence of God has put you in a spot where you're not sure how to respond? That's really the theme of today's sermon. And so if you're taking notes, again, it's faith in deep water. And there's three things that we discover from the Israelites and Moses as it relates to exercising faith in deep water. These are the three. Again, I'll give it to you up front and go through them slowly. Faith in deep water first stands firm in fear, exceeds courage is the second point, and thirdly, deepens praise. Faith in deep water stands firm in fear, exceeds courage, and deepens praise. Let's start with the first point. Faith in deep water stands firm in fear. Now, the author of Hebrews does not draw our attention to their fear, but to see this, we need to go back to Exodus chapter 14 to see the kind of faith that they exercise. Because again, the author of Hebrews commends them for their faith, but when you first see the Hebrews, the Israelites, they don't look like this, well, God will show up anyway, and we know that he is for us and not against us, and he'll fight on our behalf. Actually, put it up on the screens, Exodus chapter 14, listen to their response, verses 10 to 15. When Pharaoh drew near, 
the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Not the epitome of faith, is it, so far? Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. That is the prelude to Moses then going forward, lifting his hands and the staff, and the water parts. What do we do when we're backed up against the wall? What do we do when we're in deep water? We're called to stand firm despite our fear. Now, I'm so grateful that God didn't say, y'all are afraid? Y'all wish you went back to Egypt? No miracle for you. (laughs) Get them, Egypt. Get them, Pharaoh, right? Sometimes we think like that, right? Like, if I'm not strong enough, if I'm not fearless enough, if I'm not bold and courageous enough, then God won't show up and fight for me. So I have to put on my Christian plastic mask here and put on my poker face, right? And then God, you know, inside my heart's going, but don't show it, don't show it. God is so faithful despite our fears and faithlessness, isn't he? (laughs) He He's so faithful to them. I mean, they're not only afraid, they're literally looking at Moses saying, you're an idiot, what have you done bringing us out here, right? That's Stefan's translation right there, right? They're looking at him saying, it would have been better for us to stay in Egypt. Why did we even follow you out into the wilderness? We're a bunch of idiots to follow you, Moses, and you're the captain idiot of all. I mean, that's basically what they're saying, right? They're they're looking at him saying, we wish we had never left Egypt. We would rather be slaves than die right here in the wilderness. And they're not confident that they're gonna survive. But Moses calls them to stand firm. He says, fear not, stand firm. God will fight for you. And in the midst of our fears, when we're in deep water, We have to remember the God to whom we love and the God to whom we serve. And so he calls them to fear not and to stand firm. Now, I love that actually verse 15 is included in here because I want to show you something else. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Why do you cry to me, Moses? I call this the lost prayer of Moses. Look at verses 14 to 15. Moses is out front calling the people to not be afraid, right? God will fight for you. Stand firm. And then over here in verse 15, God is saying to Moses, why are you crying out to me, Moses? Go ahead and do it, right? Which means that Moses, behind the scenes, there's some sort of exchange between him and God where he is afraid too, right? Where he's wrestling with the same thing too. Like, God, why have you brought me out here? Why are we in the wilderness? And 
by the way, a lot of the prayers between Moses and God are made explicit in our Bibles. This one's missing. It's not in there. But we can read between the lines based upon God's kind of gentle rebuke of Moses. He's saying, Moses, sometimes there are times for prayer. Sometimes there are times for action. Stop praying. Get out there and take a step of faith. Amen? He's saying, get out there and do something. And so Moses, even as a leader, is a little afraid. Moses, as a leader, is wrestling with God, and yet he goes forward and calls them to faith, even as he's calling his own soul to faith and to move forward despite his fears. Do you see it? So moms and dads, bosses, wherever you find yourself, sometimes we're called to call people to faith, but we're also calling our own soul to faith despite our fears. And the fickleness of the people and even the fickleness of Moses do not cause God's faithfulness to be canceled out. He says, despite your fears, stand firm despite your fears. And under this first point, I just ask you, when you're in deep water, what does it look like for you to stand firm in your fear? Because again, they're not not afraid. So God, he says fear not, but it doesn't actually cancel their fear. They're afraid, right? Moses is afraid. And sometimes fear and faith coexist at the same moment. And so they are afraid, but they are standing firm in their fear. And that's the great principle we learn under this first point is fear and faith are not mutually exclusive. And yet we can shrink back in our fear or we can stand firm in our fear. And so God is calling us when your heart is beating out of your chest, stand firm in your fear. When our faith is in deep water, first we stand firm in our fear. Secondly, faith in deep water not only stands firm in fear, but it also exceeds courage. Faith in deep water exceeds courage. I want to reread our key verse from chapter 11, verse 29, to make this point. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians when they attempted to do the same, to do the same what? To do the very same thing that the people of Israel were doing, were drowned. So I say under the second point, faith in deep water not only stands firm in fear, but exceeds courage, because we see two groups of people doing the same exact thing, right? It's not as though one group had courage and the other group did not. Tell you what, let's, let's retell the story here for a minute just to place ourselves inside of it. So God says, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Go ahead, go do it. So he goes, puts his arms up and all of a sudden a strong east wind comes in and the water literally starts to then press down and part into two walls on the left and on the right. So we see this miracle occur where literally where there was water, where they couldn't get through, where it was super deep, all of a sudden dry ground is exposed. And for, I don't know how long it takes two million people to get through, but it takes a while. Because keep in mind, they're not on their chariots and they're not a bunch of young warriors. The people of Israel, they've got their babies, they got their elderly, they got all their stuff. Now, the Lord buys them some time because you remember the pillar of fire and cloud. It literally sets up camp. It moves from before them to between them and keeps a wall of protection. So talk about the Lord fighting for them, right? And so this now creates a pick, creates a block, if you will, right? And so 
I was coaching basketball for my son's team in the Upward League, and so I'm learning all these things because it's a Christian league. I don't really know a lick about basketball. Sorry. But I do do the devotional in the middle. That's really my thing. But for those of you who are not into basketball, a pick or a block or a screen, right? Like it kind of comes between the players, so they bump into it, right? God sets up a pick. He sets up a screen. He sets up a block for them so that they have the time to get through the Red Sea. They're not able, the Egyptians are not able to follow after them. And so, but just think of the courage. I mean, we don't know how this really worked, right? Obviously, the wind is in there, so maybe the wind is just so strong, it's holding it the whole time. Maybe the wind's just part of it with it. Either way, if you're walking through with a wall of water on your left and your right, that's scary, right? It's not even, there's not glass there. I mean, it's scary enough going through the aquarium where the whole thing's wrapped around, but just there's, you're touching it in the water, you gotta like put your hand in it, right? Like it's water, right? And it could just crash on you at any moment. And yet two million people with courage in their heart, but also faith in their heart. They walk through that dry land to the other side with Moses with his arms up. And after the last Israelite gets through, Moses is still standing there, and the cloud moves. And all of a sudden, the Egyptians see them cross through, and they say, now's our chance, boys. They don't even know what's going on, but they're like, let's get them. So with the 600 chariots, with all the soldiers, they speed into the middle and literally their, their wheels start to choke up. I mean, God does all sorts of things so that they're getting stuck in the bottom of the Red Sea and so forth. And then at the very end, as they're courageously chasing after their slaves to recapture them, God tells Moses, now lift your hands on the other side. He does and brings them down and all of a sudden, the wind stops and all of a sudden, I mean, think of a tsunami or think of these giant waves that come and Jesus crashes over them and crushes them and buries them and all of them are obliterated in a second. They are gone. Quiet. And the Israelites are saved. Could you imagine? And the author of Hebrews picks this up and he says, by faith, they walk through on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same thing, were drowned. You say, well, what happened? I mean, they, they were doing the same thing. And I use the language of exceeds courage because I'll tell you what, if I was an Egyptian being told, well, my chariot to go through that dry land, I mean, they did it, right? They were strong. They were courageous. But they lacked faith. The reason, the motive of how and why they did it And this will preach, right? Because I was thinking about this in the church and in our lives and in the world, things where we're strong and courageous. I mean, we think of Joshua, be strong and courageous, and yet God cares about not just our strength and our courage, he also cares about our motive, and then it's by faith. Or those walls are gonna come crashing down on us because it was the faith that allowed them to walk through and the lack of faith, the very same path of deliverance was a path of destruction if it wasn't done by faith. And the Israelites were saved by the very same waters that destroyed the Egyptians. And this is a narrative throughout our Bibles. The same path of deliverance is a path of destruction. Think of Noah. The very same waters that saved him and his family were the very same waters that destroyed the rest of humanity without faith. 
And even Jesus Christ himself, our Savior, he's a stone of stumbling and offense for those who reject him without faith. But with those who have faith, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone in your life, amen? He is the rock of salvation. And so he will deliver you and save you or you will be crushed by him. The same waters, the same person, the same Savior, with faith or without faith, makes all the difference. The Israelites walked through with faith, and God delivered them. The Egyptians walked through with courage, without faith, and God buried them. Faith, faith in deep water exceeds courage. Now, I want to be careful here because we're all like, look, how much faith do I have, right? Remember Jesus says, it just takes a mustard seed of faith. And he likens faith to childlike faith, right? I mean, like a child trusts in their parents. And so if, if your temptation after the second point is to be like, do I have enough faith and God's going to destroy it? That's not the point. I mean, the contrast between the Egyptians and the Israelites could not be more stark, right? You're in church on Sunday morning. I hope that you believe, right? I doubt you woke up early and next week on daylight savings times, I'm sure you believe, right? (laughs) I mean, these are the good guys and the bad guys. And yet, there's something instructive here to say, I think especially in the American church, we love strength. We love courage. And we love the appearance. We'll see another church that's growing and we'll say, hey, I'll just do what they did, right? You know, they walk through on dry land. Let's just copy and paste it over here. Doesn't work like that. Does not work like that. Requires God to work with you, in you, and through you to bring about faith to produce his desired ends in your life. Just doing the same thing does not give the same results without faith. Amen? It requires faith. It requires God to meet with Moses and the Israelites and grant them that faith. Again, strength and courage are great. We love strength and courage. Again, be strong and courageous. The Lord your God is with you. I can quote the same Joshua passage as well. But the contrast between the Israelites and the Egyptians couldn't be more stark. You got strong, courageous soldiers on chariots, and you got old men and women, frail, and people carrying their babies, right, on the other side. And who comes through Delivered the old men and the babies, right? And who goes down? The warriors who are strong and courageous. God's power is perfected in weakness. And what we see in this account once again is courage is required. I mean, you gotta have courage to walk through that water. They are afraid. Hey, they might be more afraid of the chariot, so it's just a trump of one fear over the other at that point. They're afraid of them, they're afraid of the water, but they walk through with faith anyway. They stand firm despite their fears, and God meets them despite their fears with faith. Amen? So faith in deep water stands firm in fear. God doesn't cancel his faithfulness if we have fear. Secondly, it exceeds our courage. We need courage, but it goes far beyond it. Faith is required. Thirdly and finally, then faith in deep water deepens our praise. Faith in deep water deepens our praise. To make this point, I want to read the end of chapter 14 into the the beginning of chapter 15. Are the screens working or no? Okay, good. So look look again at the screens. 
Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. So this is after the water crashes down over them. The Egyptians are wiped away. The Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So what's the result of this? The people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Chapter 15 verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Now, if you have your Bible open, you might want to flip over there. I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter 15 for you, but it's an entire chapter of a song. (laughs) It's called the Song of Moses, or the song of Moses and Miriam, because the prophetess Miriam, his sister, comes back at the end to prophesy and add some lyrics to the word of God as well. And so we have here one of the first, not yeah, it is the first hymn in your Bible. (laughs) The first song of praise in your Bible. This entire chapter where the people of God are dancing and singing about God's deliverance over them. Moses is singing it. Miriam's singing. The people are singing and dancing. Miriam's got her tambourine out with the other girls out. I mean, they are going bananas. They're worshiping the Lord, singing his praises because God brought them through this deep water in their lives. Amen? You think of the Psalms, there's 150 of them. The worship manual of the people of God, right? In the middle of your Bible, beautiful. If you don't read the Psalms, I recommend reading them in your devotional time because they're, they're great. Songs, basically, you could put them in first person and make you speaking to God and singing his praises, deliverance, and his rescue. There's often this little superscript or, you know, description beforehand in all caps beforehand. Now, that's basically usually the context by which the psalm came out of. And so it'd be like, hey, this is when David was in the wilderness and Saul was chasing him and he was saved. And they'll go into it. Or this is when, you know, he sinned against Bathsheba and, you know, and confessed his sin to the Lord and, you know, have mercy on me and blot out my transgressions. And when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. And so all of these songs of praise we start to see in our Bible, the songs of Moses or the Psalms, most of them come out of this context where there was this deep water in their lives. You see where I'm going, right? Where they are trapped, where they're not sure what's going to happen, and God meets them. Sometimes it's when, like, again, David, it's not always deliverance, it's I've been exposed. My sin's been exposed, but then God cleansed me of my sins, and so now I'm writing a worship song about it, and all of God's people are now going to sing this song about God's deliverance of us and of me. And I don't pretend to understand the sovereignty of God and why he allows us to go through lots of trials and hard things. And I want to be careful here because not every time we're up against the sea do the waters part. I mean, we hope they do and sometimes they do. Sometimes it's game over. Are you still a Christian when it's game over? Absolutely, you get to go heaven, it's awesome. But I'm just saying like sometimes, sometimes we're delivered, sometimes we're nailed to the cross, right? Like, There's a resurrection around the corner, but these songs that come out of our experiences where God meets with us in the hard times, in the good times, in the bad times, I said at the outset, they didn't put themselves against that wall. God brought them there. And I think 
Part of the reason why, yes, to show his power, he says, to get glory over Pharaoh. I mean, he literally hardens Pharaoh's heart and the soldiers so that they chase after him at this point. He's like, I'm done with y'all. Go in. Boom, right? Because of that, we now have this song of praise to remember God's power, God's faithfulness, God's glory, God's justice, and not just in abstract ways that are heady and I don't really understand it, in like very specific ways. Like the waters parted and then crashed down and the wheels are everywhere. I mean, it gets into the specific details of their lives and that's how praise gets into the specific details of our lives. And I think there's a new song that God wants to put in all of our hearts when we walk through these trials. And sometimes it's just singing the songs at church on Sunday where you're taking those lyrics like the songs of Moses or the Psalms, you're making them your own. Some of you are musicians and God's got some songs for you to write for the church and they're gonna come out of the crucible of your hardest experiences in your life. But those experiences will then produce praise in your life and praise in the lives of other people's. There was a famous hymn penned by Horatio Spafford in the 1870s. Once I share the hymn, many of you know the story, but let me give you the context where why I was penned, and then I'll give you the lyrics and title afterward. This was an article written by Mark Harland. He says, Attorney Horatio Spafford and his wife Anna had a wonderful family of four daughters. Tragically, the Chicago fire destroyed most of his business in 1871. Then two years later, his wife and daughters were on board an ocean liner when it was struck by another vessel. All four daughters drowned. His wife survived and nine days later was able to contact her husband by telegraph with this question, quote, saved alone, what shall I do? Spafford took the next available ship to join his wife. During the passage, the captain of the ship notified Spafford they were crossing the place where the ship had sunk. And after those moments of reflection and over the course of the rest of the journey, Spafford penned the words of the beloved hymn, It is well with my soul. The lyrics go as following. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know. These are the original lyrics, by the way. It is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the face shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend a song in the night, O my soul. In the moment of tragedy, in the moment of pain, the Holy Spirit met with this man and these lyrics leapt from his heart and his mind onto the pages that we sing now nearly at every funeral. At that moment where the night is darkest for our souls, the hope that he found in Christ now becomes our hope that is well with our souls as well. And I say that to balance out today's sermon because we're going to sing about God delivering us through the waters. But I think all of us have times where the waters still come crashing on our own head as well. We say, God, where were you? And yet the still small voice of God, whether he delivers us through the waters or he says, this is the time I'm calling you home, there is still grace to write a song. 
There is still grace to sing his praises. There is still grace to pronounce and proclaim who he is to the world. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are unjustly arrested for preaching the gospel. And in the middle of the night at midnight, what are they doing? They are praying and they are singing hymns of praise to God. Faith in deep water. It stands firm despite fear. Faith in deep water exceeds courage. And faith in deep water deepens our praise. God has not promised you a deep water free life. But he's promised to be with you in the deep waters of your life. And to bring a song of praise from your lips from now into eternity. In the book of Revelation... We see the saints in heaven worshiping God. We see them singing songs of praise. And two songs are listed explicitly in heaven. Do you know what they are? The song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. The saints in heaven are still singing this song. And it's got me thinking about your life. People ask this question, will we remember this life in heaven? about how it was well with our souls when we walked through that moment. We'll still be singing the song on that final day, but heaven invites you and Jesus invites you today. Would you start to sing that song right here, right now? Whether you are in a happy moment right now, delivered from deep water, or whether you are drowning, just paddling, keeping your head above the water, can you praise the Lord in deep water? Can you? Church, let's praise the Lord in the trials that we walk through when he brings us through, or even if he doesn't, we have faith. We are people of faith, and we stand firm despite our fears for the glory of God.